Hello, my name is Katie Sander and welcome to the brand new podcast from the Marketing Forum, the Business Leaders Podcast. For the Business Leaders Podcast, I'm going to be joined every week by Andrew Knott, my new co-host. He has over 30 years experience in finance and for many years consulting on turnaround and working as a finance director. With his specialism in finance and money marketing, we're going to be covering both these topics and a wide range of broad elements for business leaders, mainly running small and medium-sized businesses, but not exclusively. And of course, you're very welcome, even if you're not a business leader. In this first episode, we dig into business strategy, both our own experience of it and some of the learnings gleaned from Richard Rummelt's book, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, which Andrew recommended to me and I can confirm is a very good read. So I hope you enjoy our first episode and please do check back soon. My, my background uh, for the last sort of 10 years up until recently has been working in sort of turnaround situations, and supporting a CEO or a, a restructuring officer. And um, uh, that's often been introduced into a business by a bank or a lender. And uh you know, when when the lenders have um, got over their initial concerns, seen some cash flows and some forecasts, the next question is, okay, what's this business about? What what is the strategy? And that's where things get a bit tricky. And that's I guess what we'll talk about in the next thirty minutes. Yeah. So I think what's funny with doing it's not funny at all with doing turnaround, but um, you know, you don't get bought in when things are going well. Basically, you know, if Andrew appears on the uh, on your uh, previously on your doorstep um it's not uh, <laughs> it's not a good sign and that probably means that the strategy is either non-existent or going pretty wrong where is it that you most often see things go wrong with strategy with small and medium-sized businesses well I think it goes back to the the heart of the issue as to what extent you actually need a strategy mm. and uh businesses that are doing well uh, certainly um, spend their time and activity you know, um, selling their products, delivering their services, etc. They do not, they don't, uh, to, to my, my experience anyway, sit down and start preparing big PowerPoints or Word documents to update the board on the strategy. They, um, you know, it's very much that the, the business planning cycle is very much based around budgeting and sort of financial performance and providing you're hitting those sort of metrics you know, the, the chairman rarely asks the CEO, well, we need an update on the business strategy. It tends to be, um, you know, quite a positive uh, environment to work in. That's very different from, you know, when you're in turnaround. And the the, the situation there is that uh, lenders, which are generally the banks, um, they have formal uh, rights through through lender through either loans or through overdrafts where they can in, insist on, on on certain things and, and one of them is you know the appointment of external advisors for, um, to to prepare to validate in you know, management's um, financial plans forecasts etc. But very you know still on the back of that is like, okay where's the strategy now your question as to why why isn't it being done I I think it goes back to I think it's very difficult. I think it's a very, um, it, it's not an easy, um, it's not an easy thing to, to pull off. Um, I think you and I, um, when we talked about having this conversation, you know, we thought about is there any sort of relevant material we could perhaps look at. And um, I think I recommended to you a, a book I'd come across a few few years ago written by Richard Rummel. Yeah, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. And there, there are certainly... Um, some 
topics in there that he he writes about and case studies that he reviews that really hit a chord with me. Um, but I think fundamentally, it's hard to do good strategy. Yeah, I mean, um, it's one of the things. So I'm not all the way through the book yet. But one of the things that you quite quickly pick up when reading it is the fact that um, I think a lot of stuff that's labelled strategy within business is actually mislabeled. Um, a lot of the stuff that we we call business strategy and maybe even, you know, more specifically, marketing strategy, my, my side, finance strategy, your side, you know, possibly we're guilty about it, you know, even guilty in doing that, even in our you know, areas. Um, and, and that's what I thought was particularly interesting just from, you know, very quickly reading through the start of the book was just a sense of actually half of what we call strategy in business, you know, the, like the vision and the kind of like um, overarching objectives. Mm. It's not it's not a strategy. No, he does. I mean, the author riffs in the book on 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 consultants, doesn't he? And I mean, he... that's one of the reasons I enjoyed the book so quickly is that he did quite a swift <laughs> dig at management consultants. Which... Yeah, he blame he blames them for um, templates, um, you know, mission, values, objectives, goals, and yeah. said that you know the the development of strategy has just been boiled down into filling in these sort of pieces of paper. Really, yeah. you do them in, in the right order. You staple them together, um, but really, said so what you end up with is either a list of des- you know desired outcomes, um, or a whole heap of actions which haven't been costed out, mutually yeah. exclusive, don't really drive you towards anything. No um, yeah, that's right. And um, you know, certainly, I yeah, if I look back on you know some of the situations and um, companies I was working in. I think the, you know, the stumbling block to the strategy is it's hard, point one. So it takes time, uh, which is money, to actually really dig into uh, what the problem is in the business. Yeah. And there might be, it might be multifactorial. It's rarely just one thing. And then, of course, you then quickly get into choice. And, you know, one of the things that uh, the author talks about is he said, you know, human beings don't deal well with choice. And it's sort of buried in our, our DNA almost because by its nature, by choosing, you are shutting down other avenues of, um, of action. And, of course, you know, we're incredibly we, – we become quite anxious about thinking, oh, blimey, if I do option A, option B might be really good – um, what about option C? Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's keep all three on the table for a minute and we'll keep looking at them. Um, so I think there's that sort of risk averse thing. But then, um, you know, I suppose what's interesting in where he was talking about that is that if you, you know, if you really can understand what the problem is, then uh, technically the solution should feel more clear, right? You know, that if you can really drill down into the sense of what's the business challenge here, then, yeah, OK, it's about coming up with different solutions. But yeah, I, I think um, it, that sounds fine in theory. I mean, you're talking <laughs> about a sort of deductive process where you're saying if I know, you know, all the, um, all the, all, all the variables going on here, if I can identify all the moving parts, then there is only one solution. And I think what... What's great about this book is he 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 makes it more in an art form, and he said it's not 
a deductive process is very much inductive. In other words, you are assembling as many facts as you can, but ultimately you're going to have to make a judgment. And the judgment is based around how people or markets respond. And you're at that point, you're then trying to sort of position the organization in an appropriate way that develops a, an existing strength or or, or, or finds another one. Um, but it, it, it comes through, it's very much a, an art form. And I think the other thing that um, you know, he, he emphasizes and certainly um, comes through in some quite interesting case studies that he conducted is the amount of effort that has to go into the detail. You know, yeah. and it's that continual balance between, you know, as a senior manager, you have to be very adept at um, communication. And the communication, if you're really going to take people with you, needs to be distilled out into sort of simple messages. But that doesn't mean that you've only understood the simplicity of the problem. Mm. You know, you really do have to be an expert of the detail in order to be able to sort of synthesize it into to something sensible. Um, One of the other so, yeah. areas that I thought was fabulously hilarious was the kind of micro chapter on... Um, he was talking about motivational quotes as a way of that have been turned mm. into strategy. <laughs> and it, you know, it is bizarre actually, isn't it? When, you know, this, uh, this sense of um, just like motivational thinking and positive mm. thinking being translated into firstly into leadership. Yeah, you know, yeah. Secondly into, and you know, that, that, that thing around charisma and yeah. um that somebody that's charismatic makes a good leader. And actually he named, you know, a bunch of leaders who he's, I think he was quoting somebody and he said they got the personality of the mackerel, but actually, um, <laughs> but, but incredibly successful leaders. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. He sort of put it down to a couple of um, uh, sort of iconic books in the eighties um, who I don't remember I, without looking, I can't remember who, who, who they're written by. And um Peter Drucker's response, who was, you know, a very famous sort of strategic thinker. And he said that, um, you know, good leadership's got nothing to do with charisma. So, you know, totally, completely, um, you know, the anti-response. Anti but I think the, um, Richard Rummel's point is that you don't, people got confused between great leadership and that is a substitute for strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he and he he sort of again he kind of um, he talks about you know positive thinking and it's like tongue his cheek said you know you can't achieve um, you can't achieve good things by always thinking good things <laughs> you know some work needs to go into into this mm. um, so yeah I think uh, that, that's a that's an interesting point it, 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 in some ways a bit of a distraction but um, yeah it felt like um, when I. Uh, stumbled upon that on that chapter it felt like a slight uh, deviation mm. from the rest of the book but nonetheless I think it was a, a it was interesting yeah. and it was a very valid point in the sense that certainly now like if you look at things like Instagram LinkedIn even Twitter the the amount of inspirational quotes and motivational thinking that is targeted at businesses is prolific mm. um and, you know, essentially that in itself is basically what he's saying. It's a distraction from the fact that just by being a motivational leader and an inspirational 
I don't know, positive thinker, it doesn't mean that your business is going in the right direction. No. And it's, um, you know, I certainly, you know, I can think of um, one or two highly charismatic FTSE 100 leaders. Um, if you measure their performance by their share price over um, over mm. several years, um, it certainly doesn't match the rhetoric. No. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's um, I mean, we could have a whole. Go on, sorry. I was going to say we could have a whole more a whole other conversation about um, how how people get um, uh, you know promoted into positions that perhaps um, there are factors mm. leading to that in it to, to those uh, those engagements could, which have nothing um, to do with the capability. We could uh, do some kind of champion the dull leader uh, podcast. There's <laughs> hope um, for me. There's hope for me yet. <laughs> how self-appreciating um okay so let's talk a little bit then about some of the businesses that we have worked in where they have uh, had questionable strategy no strategy outrageous strategies Mm, all of the above (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay well I mean certainly when I was engaged with uh, in the recent past, uh, retail uh, business, and I think their offer had become tired. Um, the competition had appeared in um, different areas that the the stores operated in, and um, I think there'd been a, a sort of uh, a lack of awareness at you know very senior level that things weren't going terribly well, and I think. You know, it's worth pointing out that, you know, problems don't manifest themselves quickly sometimes. You know, it's a bit like a sort of steady, it's like age almost, isn't it? It's, you know, there's no point can you say, oh, I've suddenly become old, but, yeah. you know, over a period of time it happens. And this business that I was involved with really, really struggled to um, get to grips with the challenges it faced. Um, and they had grown legion, really. Uh <clears throat> the, I think the responses were fairly classical. Certainly, you read in this book, you know, lots of lists were being created, lots of to-dos, lots of scurrying around, lots of management activity, um, but not transpiring into um, results that were likely to to lead to, to success of this business. Mm. Um, and I think that you know part of that was perhaps related to this choice issue um committing and cutting out other lines of um activity um and probably a slight confidence as well uh around what was going to work so maybe some risk aversion uh in terms of recognizing that um you know you're either going to be a hero or a villain because you're going to have to choose a course of action and it's probably going to be quite stark um Mm. with the financial resources that were available that you're not going to have long to make it work so there was an enormous uh there was a a kind of motivation to try and fiddle a bit right if that's uh, but it did make some bold choices um and it's the the choices it made uh, kept the business going uh, for sure it would have gone uh, quicker it would have gone into insolvency 
um, very shortly had the, the actions not been taken. But the the insight around what would be what were the strengths of the business, how you could actually multiply those strengths and tr- transform it into to something new. Um, what wasn't something that, um, that was um, that didn't happen. No. Um, and as you you know, there's a whole whole host of reasons for it. Um, and certainly, reading a book like that um, is it's very useful when you're looking at a um, you're engaged in a particular situation. You can find yourself thinking, "Oh yes, we're, yeah. we're not doing that, or that's not happening." It helps distill, doesn't it, the sense of like, "Oh my god, that was exactly what went wrong." Whereas at the time, you might not necessarily be able to identify it, but um, yeah, that's what. And also the confusion. I think the confusion as well. Yeah, I mean, my my field is finance, and um, so you know, I'm sort of there producing the numbers, validating the data, and you know, it can be really, really confusing. You know, you can have um, data sets that contradict each other. You can produce data that's utterly irrelevant. Mm. You can the numbers you really need are not available, and so I think it's quite an overwhelming experience as well. And mm. you know, he talks about that in the book, and he said, you know, the the, the, the desperation to, you know, you're, you're, you're faced with a sort of sea of uncertainty almost. And then you you have an idea that's almost like a life raft, thinking, oh, God, let's let's cling to this. And he said, you almost need to fight that and say, no, you know, let's carry on swimming in these turbulent waters and, you know, trying to make sense of what's going on here. One um, of the, um, I, th- I think it was at Intel, the case study he used in the book, which makes me think, you know, you talk about a risk aversion with CEOs. And uh, I think it was Intel in the book, the case study where he was saying that the CEO said to the chair or the chair said to the CEO, when they bring in the new CEO and chair, what are they going to do? And he was like, they're going to get rid of chips or whatever it was at the time. Mm. And, um, you know, in terms of uh, risk aversion or, or paralysis of choice, thinking in those terms you just think like yeah what a way what a way to make yourself move is to say mm. right who's coming in next what are they going to do um yeah so why don't we do it yeah so absolutely it's almost trying to get your mindset into a startup isn't it it's and like, i think um go on sorry yeah no well i mean that's one of the things i thought was so interesting in the book is so much about is about human psychology so much, and, and, and you know, that's one of the things that you talk about quite a lot in general is the fact that, you know, half the time you're battling yourself um, in these yeah. things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he, um, he, he sort of rounds off the book as around, okay, so if you've made it this far and you, you know, you, you want to do or you have to do strategy, you're a senior manager, you will come up against in your career, you know, what are the sort of mindsets that you need to, to work on? And um, there's some really quite helpful um sort of guidance in there you know he he says that you know really you have to get used to dealing with lots of complexity um going through that kind of uncertainty i spoke about earlier and that, that desperate need to sort of come up with a solution quickly he said but once you found that's what you think's a solution go back again and do it again find another solution mm. go back and find another solution and there's a Harvard sort of professor who's saying, you know, I can guarantee you that 90% of my MBA students, when I give them a case study, the first idea they come up with, the first option, that's the one they run with. That's yeah. the one they develop. And he said, you know, I have to spend time saying, okay, guys, let's come back again. Um, the other thing is 
you know, developing the ability to critique, really criticize your own ideas. So, you know, set them up, do the work, do the analysis, but then come back and try to create an alternative mindset saying, okay, let's find out where this doesn't work. You know, really make sure that you put it through that kind of rigor because, you know, when you um, explain or present it to a board or to your, your, your fellow managers, it's going to get that sort of process. So learn to do that. And I quite liked his... Go on, sorry. I quite quite like to finish up on that. I quite liked his... You know, he said, oh, you know, the idea is you need to be independent without being an eccentric and you need to doubt without being a curmudgeon, you know, but that independent thought is is, is critical. I think the... um one of the reasons why so the second point you made around the fact that it's about you know solution chuck it out start again solution chuck it out start again like you know let's don't be lazy enough to assume or arrogant enough to assume that the first solution that you come up with is like the absolute uh, Mm. golden bullet but um that's also why i think skepticism around um, management consultants and strategists where they come in and you know they say i'm going to charge you for two days work or whatever and, and provide you with a strategy how mm. you know, if, if it's if it's about if it's not a single solution and there's about multiple solutions it's about like you know risk assessment and coming up with that how are they going to do that in such a short period of time like, yeah and know, where's the ownership going to be as well yeah because um, i've you know my experience of, of this and working with um strategy consultants over the years <clears throat> is that you can you can have what is a valid strategy in the sense that it's um, if you have all the capability in your management team, then yeah, you might be able to deliver that strategy. But, you know, the strategy has to be consistent with the capability and skills of the people you've got. And depending on, um, you know, how they're spread, um, where the weak links are, that you might have to design something completely different that is um, based on you know, nearer-term objectives, they're more realisable, they don't look as clever mm. as uh, you know, a, a highly polished third-party strategy, but it's going to hit the ground in a more meaningful way that is, you know, provides and is motivating for, for, for the team. And I think, you know, my experience is that where I've appreciated input from third-party management consultants, it's more about them sort of empowering the management to and to help and support rather than go away, talk to all the staff, and then come back and deliver, um, you know, a, a plan. Um, I think that, that, yeah, that has to be very carefully managed because it, it, it it's it generally spooks the management. They either see it as a subtext to uh, restructure the business. Mm. Uh, they're highly suspicious and they don't really disclose all the information. So the management consultant only gets a, a yeah. fairly jauntest view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all guilty of that, aren't we? We're just going to show you what we think you need to see. Um, yeah. <laughs> so one of the other things he talks about a lot, he calls it the kernel, doesn't he? Which is basically really assessing the problem. So, you know, if you can't identify the challenge at, at, like really accurately, then you're probably not going to be able to develop a strategy for solving it. Um, in your experience, then, particularly in your you know, experience of then doing things like turnaround, 
is the reason why maybe people don't come across the kernel or, or particular challenge because they don't want to acknowledge it or because um, it's that complicated? I think it goes back to the, you know, from when I've seen uh, the the challenges that the business faces, one certainly that's, you know, funding's dried up and got major problems is it's, you know, it's multifactorial again. And he talked about the sort of the chain link systems where, you know, there are a whole heap of activities that are sort of slightly broken, um, but in the round, it's totally broken. You know, the business model is really not fit for purposes. It's hemorrhaging cash. It's producing losses month on month. And when you start to sort of lift the hood up a bit, you you see all these different components that are, are clearly not working. And it becomes incredibly difficult to actually say, okay, well, we all get the idea of focus. That's going to be imposed on us by our lenders, by the way, because they're only going to let us have a certain amount of money. And the question then is, well, is you know, there is no one diagnosis that says, well, that is our problem. It could be a ob- slightly obsolete product, et cetera. But, but generally, you know, it's, it's the whole effect of the, the internal teams not working properly, the product quality, um, salespeople aren't skillful enough, they're not knowledgeable enough, they're going about you know, the market in the wrong way, they're spending too much time getting customers that aren't any good for the business, et cetera, et cetera. And I quite, I thought in some ways it was a bit of a contradiction because on one hand, he said, you know, the colonel talks about, okay, diagnose the problem and then design the actions to, 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 to address that, that issue. There's, there's your strategy. But on the other hand, he then talks about, you know, this idea of um, chain link systems where you've got lots of things going on, lots of problems and having to actually focus in, um, in different areas. He talked about the Lombardy machine company and how Marco Tinelli, the, the CEO who came in, recognized there was a problem with the product quality. There was a problem with the um, uh, the skills of the sales team. And then there was a problem with costs. There were too much. But you, yeah, there's, there's a three-part problem. You, yeah. can't, you can't solve that. But what was clever was that he said, okay, but I can still focus. And the way I'm going to focus, I'm going to bring all my resources to work on that one problem. And I'm going to start with my product. And then I'm going to take all my resources. I'm going to work on the problem of sales expertise and knowledge. And we'll we'll bring as many people to the table from production, et cetera. And that kind of, for me, that that is a sort of lean approach. You know, that's something that I'm sure a lot of people will have heard of, where you take people from different parts of the business to focus on a, on a problem. I've worked in the manufacturing businesses where we set up lean teams you know, people from finance will get a chance to go onto the shop floor and they will work with the production people to say, okay, we've got a problem with product quality and this kind of recognition mm-hmm. that good ideas aren't the preserve necessarily the people actually making the product. Yeah. I mean, uh, I read an article last year at some point, I think it was from McKinsey, where it was encouraging businesses to use their uh, design and creative teams to address broader business challenges. So if, you know... Mm because it's about the way you think. It's not about your specific knowledge about that specific, you know, how well do you know the, how to use the manufacturing process machine? Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I don't know any uh, manufacturing terminology. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, irrelevant, actually, this is about approach to challenges. And therefore that's why, you know, using uh, 
staff whose jobs don't necessarily relate to that particular challenge is quite a good yeah. way to to, exactly. to to change up thinking yeah and it's also to you know to make sure that you've really got a broad base of potential solutions in place you know the chances are if you get an engineer involved in solving a problem it you will get an engineering solution potentially could be quite narrow where maybe it's more about how a consumer is using a product yeah. and it's less about the specific functionality it's how the consumer is using the product in that particular way but actually the consumer wants to use it slightly differently so yeah i, I agree that's uh that, i think um, yes. it certainly is a learning for me from the from from looking at that book probably one of the main learnings in the work that i do is that sense of um not limiting yourself to like not necessarily single solutions but um limited solutions like actually you know challenge my I'm going to challenge myself to say right let's assume that you can't do that what what could you do instead um and that's you know that's not probably something I really do at the moment where I force myself to chuck out you know maybe Mm. not tried and trusted but um you know just challenging myself to sort of say like you know what what are the alternatives here what might they look like yeah how many questions do you do you ask would you say do you find you um what when I sit down with a client yeah I mean do you find yourself um how quickly do you find yourself getting into sort of opinion versus staying in inquiry mode how do you manage that I mean, it really depends on the client. And sometimes I, I, I try not to be too um, structured in the sense of saying, you know, like I need X question, Y question. You know, I try and, and get a general feel in the first instance and then dig into certain things. Um, but, you know, it does depend on it depends on who you're given access to, how much access you're you're given and um, how much time as well. Certainly with marketing, I think sometimes it's a question of, can you just do it and get it done? As opposed to, so the, the, the experiences I've had where um, uh, it's been um, much more successful is where you have been given much more time to evaluate, not just marketing, but also things like looking at, looking at product and looking at all service and understanding the market, you know, and, and mm. actually, um, you know, but that's, a, it's difficult for SMEs to, to do that. But it you know, it's, it's interesting, you say like inquiry mode versus opinion mode. You know, it, it just goes back to the fact that it takes a lot of self-discipline, doesn't it, to do any of this stuff well. Yeah, and I think it is very much a, a collective effort, isn't it? You know, I'd be you know, I've been involved in with clients over the years when, you know, although I come from a financial background and, you know, the, the general remit is to unlock further lending, um, yeah. which principally goes around, you know, the financial reporting and the current lenders are not comfortable with the um, the quality of, of, of the reporting and it needs to be, looks at a bit more detail, but, you know, the second question and the strategy and, you know, I, I always enjoy being part of those strategic conversations, but um, 
be incredibly nervous as a third-party consultant to take responsibility saying, okay, you need to deliver the strategy because, of course, it's the business's responsibility to do that. It's the incumbent management team, the consultant who just hasn't got any skin in the game. No. Um, you know, it's, it's not really appropriate in, in many ways. If you want to get it to land and work, then it has to be the work of the management team and they need yeah. to be held responsible. And, but nobody knows the business better than the people that are running it. And so therefore, mm. it, you know, I find it ludicrous to think that you could assume that somebody could come in externally and that they would have a better understanding of business than you. You know, I, I think what people can do externally as consultants is they can ask the right questions and yeah. they can help guide you in the sense of, um, you know, uh, what the market is doing, that kind of thing. But, it, you know, in terms of somebody being able to write a strategy for a business and effectively sometimes almost independently from the business i you know i wouldn't be reading it <laughs> no no it's it, i think i think people underestimate good questioning yeah um i think the ability to ask good questions to you know i think that's probably more valuable trying to you know pr- provide the environment where you are getting people to really think about get the management team thinking about what they're doing mm. I think is an incredibly valuable um, and certainly what I appreciate you know with people done in the right way that you know there's trust and uh, it's confidential you know um, you can quickly open up around areas which aren't quite aren't working and you know just to, to think about it with with somebody who's who's um you know got the experience to to do that is very valuable so closing comment from you then please um strategy 2021 what are you looking at what are you focusing on well we've um the business i'm working in right now is uh it's um <clears throat> being bought out or um and uh, it, 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 it's it's in a more corporate environment that it's spent a lot of its life and uh, strategy gets spoken about quite a bit. So the senior team, which I'm one of, um, will be tasked to elucidate the strategy of, uh, and it's going to be really interesting because, you know, we've, um, we're, we're a successful business and, uh, you know, the temptation is just to do what we've always done, you know, and, uh, uh, so um, I think I'd uh, I'm going to read I'm going to um, re- frequent myself with the this good strategy bad strategy book again because I think it's a yeah, it's a decent read and uh, there's some good there's some good practical tips in there um, but I think for me it's it's focus isn't it it's focus and choice and saying no to stuff that's ultimately what you're yeah. going to have to do and maybe in those strategy meetings get everybody into a mindset of self discipline and you know structure yeah. i think so and i might uh, you know i, I will probably suggest that we bring in a third party to, yeah. to facilitate this conversation i think that would be you know money well spent the um there was one of the things wasn't there he said the only time you get unanimous decisions around a board is when there's literally no you know when you're out of time basically and so and you know another thing in those situations is that we don't we shouldn't be fearful of uh you know disagreement yeah yeah right well um that's our chat on strategy and um we'll come back soon and catch up on some of those other points that we stumbled across that we feel leadership motivation charisma 
Oh, it's going to be a busy 2021. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mr. Knott. <laughs> thank you, Katie.